path of life I walked along didn't seem so bad. But the path I strolled upon was the only one I had. From sunrise to sunset, the path was the same. Through the muck and mire, just dragging my chains. I traveled near, I traveled far, I traveled around the bend. I traveled my life long, just searching for a friend. Then in the dawn of the morn, on a distant hill, stood an old rugged cross that remains there still. At the cross, two paths appeared in the morning dew. I heard a voice ask, which one's for you? One led down, it looked easy and broad. The other up, that few had trod. That quiet voice, which one? Will you choose? One you win, and one you lose. I heard another voice boldly say, Come with me if you'd like to play. Follow me, and we'll have a good time. Take my path. There's no hill to climb. Two paths to take. Oh, which one? The one with the devil? Or the one with the sun? Dilemma for sure. Which path to take? A choice that only I could make. So upon that cross, I cast my gaze. And suddenly, a clarity to the haze. I took the path that led up that hill. It's the path I'm walking still. Love cast a light along my way, in him at rest my burdens lay, my chains transform to a robe of white, I wake each morn to the sun's delight, and now I stroll beside mercy and grace. My life at peace with a joy on my face. A life to live 
but only one. A life to give for God's own Son. Two paths to take. Which one will you choose? One life to live. One life you lose. But is it lost or do you find life brand new? Where freedom, where freedom and love friend to you. You might be able to hear in my voice that this spring has not been kind to my seasonal allergies. <laughs> I believe the enemy doesn't want me to deliver the message the Lord has given me for you today. But no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I promise if you can bear with me, your faith will be encouraged. One Sunday many years ago after service, Rachel Hare turned to me and she said she believed the Lord was going to unleash a new spirit of creativity in me. Two days later, the Lord woke me in the early morning hours, and he gave me the words to the drama that I just performed. Sometime after that, I wrote a poem for my wife titled, The Way She Loves Me. It reads like this. Oh Lord, today I pray to you, there's something on my heart. And I don't know what to do. You see, I've been a little too selfish and a little unkind. A little too quick to anger and swift to speak my mind. I've been a little less patient and a little too blind to see that she was lonely and I was hard to find. There's been too much wrong and not enough right we're too slow to make up after we fight. On this path that we wander, oh Lord, I wonder how different life would be if I loved her from the altar the way that she's loved me. When you say I do forever, you think love will only get better with time. Is that just a fantasy? 
are we living on our memory? There's got to be more to our love in this life. Can I say I do all over? I know I'll get it right this time. On this path that we wander, oh Lord, I wonder how different life would be if I love her from the altar the way that she's loved me. Lord, before the sun sets on my life, please show me how to love my wife the way that she's loved me. So you're probably wondering how the two are connected and what was going on in our marriage at the time I wrote that prayer. For those of you that don't know me well, I've spent the last 30 years in the world of corporate sales. Over that time frame, there have been seasons that required a tremendous amount of travel. It has been a rewarding career in some ways, but in many ways, it had become a grueling, difficult, stressful, and extremely lonely path that eventually led me to a very dark place of depression, anxiety, and overwhelming guilt. What I'm about to share with you, very few people know about me. I've always been a bit of a private person and never allowed anyone to get too close for fear they wouldn't like what they saw. I was raised in a generation that taught men to fake it until they make it. Never let them see you sweat. And above all, never show emotion as it was a sign of weakness. I've never shared my testimony publicly and only limited privately. Even my children who are here today don't know much of what I'm going to tell you. At the beginning of Lent, I shared with Father Dan and Laura that I thought the Lord was nudging me to perform that drama. Dan then encouraged me to also share my testimony. At first, I was hesitant, but the Lord said, it's time. So I truly believe he's going to make all things new through it for someone here today or watching online. I'm honored that Dan has given me this opportunity on Easter to share it with you. This isn't a story about who I was. This is a testimony about who Jesus is and how my life has forever been transformed because of his unfailing love for me. You see, I was the one he left the 99 to save. So I'm about to get very real and transparent with you. I think I was around five or six years old when I discovered my first Playboy magazine. It's okay. I was around five or six years old when I discovered my first Playboy magazine. I remember as a child going grocery shopping with my parents, my oldest sister and my brother. The three of us were dropped off at the book stand near the front of the store to stay out of trouble while they shopped. No parent would ever consider doing that now, but in the early 70s, that wasn't uncommon. Little did they know, but that was the beginning of a troubled life for me. I want to be perfectly clear that I take full responsibility for my actions and do not blame my parents in any way for the dark secret journey I found my life taking. Back to that day at the grocery store, I vividly remember my sister and brother off to my right looking at children's books. On the other hand, I was drawn to the top shelf by the face of a woman peeking over all the other magazines. 
So the curious, as a curious young boy, I climbed up and brought it down. I can remember thinking that the woman on the cover was really pretty. I wondered what was inside. I opened it and was immediately shocked and embarrassed, while at the same time very curious. What was I looking at? In my gut, I immediately knew it was wrong, but couldn't look away. I turned away from my siblings so they wouldn't see what I had selected to entertain me. For a couple of minutes, I stood there frozen and stunned at what I saw. Then the cashier noticed what I was doing. She came over and quickly took it from me, sternly saying, these magazines are meant for adults, not children. I was embarrassed. I don't think my brother or sister knew what happened. No harm, no foul. I found a more appropriate children's book and sat on the floor waiting anxiously for my parents to finish shopping. Would the cashier tell them? Would I be punished for what I did? The answer was no. I got away with it. Our next trip to the grocery store, I asked my parents if I could go look at books while they shopped, and they agreed completely unaware of my intentions. This time, nobody interrupted me. I had probably 15 to 20 minutes to take in everything and was sure to replace it on the shelf before my parents returned. I remember those words from the cashier today. These magazines are meant for adults, not children. Let me pause here and say emphatically, they are not meant for anyone. They warp the mind and distort the true meaning of beauty and the gift from God of intimacy between a man and a woman who are in a faithful, committed, covenant marriage relationship. Fast forward several decades past hundreds of flights, rental cars, and hotel stays. I, excuse me, I arrived home exhausted after another lonely and seemingly seemingly pointless business trip to an email from an unknown person. The subject title said, your password is freedom. Ordinarily, I would delete an email from someone I didn't know, but this was different. The subject title hit too close to home. I was drawn to open it and quickly got a sick to my stomach feeling. I was overcome with fear and anxiety as I read it. It said, you don't know me, but I know everything about you. You visited one of my websites and I have installed malware on your computer. I have been tracking you for the last 164 days and have access to all your information. I took access of your phone's camera. I know all your contacts, Facebook friends, and online viewing habits. I'm giving you 48 hours to deposit $2,000 in Bitcoin into my bank account. If you do this, I will leave you alone. If you don't, my computer will randomly select which one of your contacts to expose all your online activity to. And you'll have so much guilt that you'll never be able to look them in the eye ever again. And by the way, my computer started the clock the minute you opened this email. I felt tremendously violated. I was consumed with fear. Who was this evil person? 
The bigger question was, who was I? At that point in my life, I had reached the pit of emptiness and despair. I wasn't who I wanted to be, nor who I portrayed myself to be. I didn't recognize myself, and I'm certain that neither did my wife and kids. How do I deal with this? What did he have on me? I know I didn't do anything illegal. Certainly my actions were immoral, but not illegal. If I pay him, I know it won't stop. He'll keep asking for more. If I don't, who will find out my darkest secrets? How embarrassing this will be for me. How devastating this will be to my family. Which of my friends would find out? Would I be exposed to business colleagues? I immediately started thinking, how can I fix this? How can I take control of this situation and eliminate the threats from this person? I just got punched in the gut, was laying on the mat, and the referee was standing over me, counting to 10. I don't even want to mention some of the thoughts that ran through my mind. I felt like, it felt like my life, as I knew it, was over. And it was, just not in the way that I thought. My reputation was going to be ruined. The secret side of my life was about to be exposed. And the more I thought about damage control, the more I realized how impossible that would be. To my wife and kids, I was known around the house as Mr. Fix-It. I could fix just about anything, but not this. I had over 3,000 business and personal contacts in my phone. Suddenly, my wife called me for dinner. I couldn't eat a thing. The negative thoughts were swirling in my head. Why did I open that email? If only I didn't open that email. I'm so stupid for opening that email. That subject line, your password is freedom, couldn't be more prophetic. At the time, I didn't feel free. I felt trapped with no way out. I went to bed that evening with a pounding headache, a million thoughts racing through my mind, accompanied by that familiar verse, the truth shall set you free. I was being crushed by the weight of it all. I had finally hit rock bottom. Eventually, I fell asleep and woke up about 4 a.m., still very troubled by everything. My mind continuously replayed that email subject line over and over. Your password is freedom. Then I read it differently. Your password is freedom. The reason that hit so close to home and caused me to open the email in the first place is because my password was not the word freedom. My password was the word my, followed by the word freedom, and a number one. My freedom one, meaning Jesus. He was the answer. He was telling me that he was the way out. I had struggled for years to break free from all the garbage, but was incapable in my own strength to overcome a lifetime of sin. 
even though I had been living a part of my life that I kept hidden, I knew I had a Savior who loved me in Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Christian home, and I heard all the stories. I had an authentic encounter with him and accepted him as my Savior in my early 20s, but never really allowed him to be Lord of my life. I never truly surrendered everything to him, but I knew he loved me, and I loved him. I knew he was my only answer, my freedom one. I'd like to invite Arlene to join me for the rest of the testimony. I had to tell my wife, but what was she going to say? Would she leave me? I had messed things up so badly to the point that the only thing I ever wanted in life, which was a loving wife and family, would it be destroyed? I had no choice. I had to tell her everything. To truly be free, I needed to confess to her who I'd been and what I've done, no matter the outcome. The Bible tells us to cast our burdens upon the Lord, and that perfect love casts out all fear. We had just celebrated Easter, and his love for me was in the forefront of my mind. Okay, Lord, I surrender everything to you. I prayed, I want to finally be free from all the guilt, all the shame, all the anger and secrecy, all the weight of my sin crushing me every day. I can't do this anymore, and I can't do this alone. Only you can fix this. With absolutely no fear and overwhelming sense of peace, I woke my wife and told her everything. I told her about the email and my struggles with pornography since I was a child. Author Fred Stoker describes it as every man's battle. I have no way of knowing if that's true, but it was mine. I confessed to her that occasionally while away on business trips, I would find myself late at night in a club where young broken women would entertain older lonely broken men. I confess that earlier when our marriage was at its lowest point, highest level of stress that I began speaking with another woman and that relationship was rapidly heading towards something very inappropriate it's only because of her prayers and the grace of God that thankfully it ended before it turned into something very serious that would be extremely difficult to recover from I apologize for becoming a workaholic and spending so much time away from her and the kids and not recognizing how much they needed me at home. I apologize for being selfish and putting my needs before hers. Of course, she was understandably hurt. I then asked her to forgive me and something happened that I'll never forget. She looked at me and in that moment, I saw Jesus. When I felt unworthy, while I was still a long way off, the Father ran to me, had compassion on me, 
He put a ring on my finger and a robe on my back, and he prepared a banquet feast for me. She gave me a hug, forgave me, and said, finally. She knew for years that I was carrying a great burden, but never knew exactly what it was. We prayed together for the first time in a long time, and in that moment, I immediately felt something physically lift off my back and shoulders. A great weight had left my body and cleared my mind. I was finally free. After our conversation, I went to our basement, fell to my knees, and had an encounter with Jesus unlike anything previous. The only way I can describe it is an hour of intense, almost violent gratitude overflowing from the depths of my soul, followed by an incredible, overwhelming, and unexplainable peace and joy that continues to this day. Over and over and over, through the flood of tears, all I could say was, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. My old life was indeed over, and he replaced it with something brand new and beautiful. From that day forward, the Lord began rebuilding our marriage, and today, life is so much sweeter our relationship is exponentially better. And when I sing a worship song, it has so much more meaning. And oh, by the way, I never heard from that person who emailed me ever again. <laughs> by the power of Jesus' blood, he washed everything away. In the midst of the chaos of that email, I remember being concerned about my reputation and the Lord clearly asking me, whose name are you trying to glorify? Mine or yours? Will I stand before you today a changed man and without hesitation say, the only name on heaven in all heaven and earth yes. worthy of being glorified is the mighty name of Jesus yes. thank you lord thank you lord you see what the enemy meant for evil he turned it to good he turned it to good are you here today feeling lonely, desperate, and separated from God. If so, Jesus understands you. Think about the lonely journey that he, he made from Gethsemane to Golgotha that resulted in victory over death just for you. What chains are you still dragging around? What path are you on? What path do you want to be on? Do you feel unworthy or have never had an encounter with the living God who created you? If you want to know him intimately as a friend and experience that peace and joy in your life that I talked about, 
He's here for you this morning, ready to meet you right where you are. Maybe your marriage, another, another family relationship or friendship is broken. Today is Reconciliation Sunday. Or maybe you're struggling with an addiction to drugs, alcohol, social media, gossip, judgment of others, or some form of unhealthy entertainment. Today isn't Condemnation Sunday. The tomb is empty. He is risen. It's your victory day. Maybe you're holding on to bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness in your heart. Don't carry that around another minute. And don't believe the lies of the devil. You are not defined by the mistakes of your past. Jesus has never stopped loving you. Right now, he's calling your name to come. Lay it all at the foot of the cross so you can finally be free. He is your password to freedom. The Lord was speaking to you during my testimony. I'd like to invite you to come forward while the sound team plays a song from Elevation Worship. And we'll have teams join you to pray for whatever it is you need Jesus to do for you today. Isn't God good? All the time. He answers prayer. Years of praying for this man on my knees crying. Not knowing what he was struggling with. And the Lord came and did it. Thank you. What the enemy wanted to do was destroy us and destroy my family. And he almost won. We came dangerously close to calling it quits. And I knew that was not God's plan. And through the power of prayer and getting help and having the troops come join me and pray, God literally brought him to his knees. And finally, finally we knew what it was. Yeah. He is a changed man today. Amen. Set free. Yes. Hallelujah.